Welcome to Real Weddings with Sarah. I'm Sarah Kennedy from Irish Wedding Blog, one of Ireland's leading sources for wedding inspiration, advice and support. Real Weddings with Sarah brings you an inside snoop of some of Ireland's best-loved personalities and celebrity weddings. Join me as I indulge on all of the wedding goss. I'm joined today by Kat Williams. Kat is one of the world's leading wedding bloggers. She is the editor, director and absolute unicorn of Rock and Roll Bride. Rock and Roll Bride started in 2007 when Kat saw a very clear gap in the market. She was planning her own wedding to her lovely husband now, Gareth, and realised there was very little alternative wedding information out there. So roll on, Rock and Roll Bride, and here we are today. It is a global smash featuring bride and groom's weddings and inspiration from across the world, followed up by a book called The Ultimate Guide for Alternative Weddings, which is a number one bestseller on Amazon. Of course, there's a shop with everything you will need to plan the perfect wedding day, from accessories, T-shirts, dresses, veils, you name it. And I'm so lucky to be joined by Kat because... Believe it or not, Kat actually had what was quite a traditional wedding. Is that fair to say, Kat? I mean, I guess so. I mean, we got married in 2008. So only just after I started my blog and I started the blog to sort of document our wedding planning journey. So there wasn't any alternative inspiration for us. So, yeah, looking back, our wedding was pretty traditional compared to the weddings we feature these days. True. But I I know that you did add some little beautiful alternative touches which were big deals for the time. You had the con runners, you had the black sash. So you were able to kind of revolutionise that in itself. I suppose. I remember my lovely Irish mother was very upset that we were going to have black bridesmaid dresses. (laughs) (laughs) Blasphemy. I won't do the accent because I'll offend everybody listening, but she was like, oh, Catherine, oh, they'll look like like a funeral. Oh my God. (laughs) When we look at black weddings now, there's such a thing, you know, people really embrace them and they're just absolutely stunning. But for that time, I suppose back in 2008, when everything was very much ivory gold and nobody really stepped outside that, it was very much a white shoe. You know, you really did go and push the boundaries with that. Yeah, I mean, I went out and obviously bought all the magazines and it was like, are you going to have pink or or jade or baby blue? Like there wasn't really... You know, it just wasn't, I didn't see any monochrome weddings there. And it sounds so silly to say that now because it's like not really that groundbreaking. But back then I didn't see anything that wasn't super traditional. You know, the sashes on the back of the chairs and yeah. you know, everything matchy-matchy. And actually the reason we picked black and white is because I couldn't think of anything worse than having to like carry swatches around and make sure that my bride's my dresses matched my napkins. I was like, oh God, didn't you bother with that? So, so it was all about the functionality. You were running a military precision operation here. I guess, I guess. I guess I just didn't want to get it wrong. I didn't want to like have the wrong shade of pink and it just looked terrible. I get you. And just in yeah, terms of you, you had you had your wedding in a beautiful, was it like a castle or was it a country house? It was like a manor house type vibe, like a wedding venue, yeah. Beautiful. And did you do anything alternative there? Were you able to, you know, express yourself a little bit different there? Or was it very much whatever the venue handed, that's what you had to take? We were able to bring in our own suppliers and stuff, but we actually booked our venue really, really last minute because we had a different venue booked that then 
were doing renovations that overran for about eight weeks before the wedding. Oh, we God. had to find a new venue, um, which was a disaster. Well, it felt like a disaster, but we managed to pull it off. Um, and they were quite flexible, actually. We were able to transfer the people and the suppliers we'd already booked over. Um, but we, you know, we used their caterers and, yeah, we didn't really go all out on the flowers or anything. Like, we kept things quite simple, really, because the space was so gorgeous anyway. Brilliant. And with with that in mind, and I can't even imagine what switching your venue, you know, eight weeks in the lead up, can you talk us through, I suppose, the stress that you experienced around weddings? What was the biggest, biggest thing? Um, the biggest stress for me was probably worrying that other people would not have a good time or that you know, worrying about what other people would think, even though, you know, looking back, our wedding was, like, really not that alternative at all. Like, there were some little bits that were a bit different. Like, we did a slightly different layout of the day. We didn't do, like, the formal receiving line. Yeah. Um, and we were kind of like, I think we're going to think this is weird, which makes me laugh so much now because, you know, 12, 13 years later, it's like literally all the rules are thrown out the window and it's like I'm telling everyone it doesn't matter what you do, like just do what you want to do. But at that time, I was still, we were still quite concerned that people would think it was like odd. I know. But I think, isn't there, isn't there a part of us because we're planning something for so long that we get so consumed with it that it can yeah. just, you know, you get this, not an obsession, but you really wanted to go the way you have it in your head. And it's very difficult to compromise from that when something goes wrong. Yeah, and I think I always do tell brides now, like when I speak to them in our Facebook group or on social media, I just kind of say like things will go wrong. And I think we've learned that a lot this year, especially, yep. you know, might go tits up, but it's okay. And at the end of the day, as long as you're married, no one else is going to notice all those little details that maybe weren't 100% perfect. And that perfection doesn't exist because this is real life. You're not living in like, a romantic comedy so no. things don't go perfectly and that's okay and it's all part of the day and it's all part of the story and actually sometimes the things that go wrong are like the funniest part of it anyway Well that's very true Just in terms of you know when you catch up around an anniversary with people that were at your wedding or family what's the key thing what is the main thing that people always remember and take away from your wedding day? Oh my goodness um, it was so long ago like 2008 it feels like I was a completely different person now but people always say, like, you know, your wedding was the start of, like, what your career has come become now. And, like, who would have thought that this day or leading up to this day would have, like, completely changed the trajectory of your life and your business? Yeah, that's very um, true. And I suppose with, with that in mind, and, and I look at, you know, I suppose I always say that, you know, the wedding is just the passport, really, to the big, big event, which is marriage. Um and, you know, you're, you're saying, you know, you're, you know, you're almost like a different person back there, you know, and you're just such a vibrant character. Not that you weren't before, but it's more, I suppose, outerly because you can see all of the colours through your hair and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I suppose, you know, we always grow, we mature. But what advice would you have given back to Kat, you know, in that wedding planning journey at the time? Um, I probably would just say that, you know, the day, the wedding day is just one day and it is just the beginning of everything. And like, I was 24 when I got married. I was a baby. Like, I didn't know much about anything. <laughs> and I guess I was just, I would just say like, you don't know where your life's going to go. You don't know like what's going to happen from here, but it's really exciting. And like, don't get too 
caught up in the details of the day because it's really just one day in the rest of your life. Exactly. And with that in mind, we talk about marriage. OK, so, you know, I have these conversations quite regularly with people where it's like, you know, married life. It's and as I said to somebody earlier, it's probably one of the hardest jobs you'll ever have because marriage takes time. It takes work. And the wedding is really just the gateway to get you there. In your opinion over the years, and you're married such a long time now as well to Gareth, what do you believe are the biggest hurdles of married life? <laughs> uh, well, I not only am married to my husband, but I work with my husband. Oh, Jesus. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and we work from home. So it's like in each other's pockets 24-7. Some days I'm like, it's a miracle that we're still in love and we can stand each other. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, it does take work. I think a big thing is, communication obviously that old cliche but also like having your own space and having your own like lives like I feel like during the last sort of six months with lockdown and stuff it's been even more heightened that it's so important to have your own life and have your own interests and you know I love to go on holiday with my girlfriends and you know he's got hobbies that I am not involved in and I think that's really important um I think especially when you spend so much time together or even if you don't like you're in each other's pockets all the time it can just become very intense and obviously he's my favorite person so I love to spend a lot of time with him but I also love to spend a lot of time without him if at all possible. Okay so I think that's that's one of the things I think when when uh, when we get married we assume that we're now going to be this joint at the hip um, unit we become one because we're told we're going to become one we're going to be this family unit so what you're saying is actually well that's good in its own its own spirit is that actually retain all of your own interests your independence so that you can enjoy each other when the when you know in that more valuable time you know we are one unit and I do think I when it comes to anything that I do I want to consider Gareth's feelings as equal to my own so we're like equals I'm not putting him above me I'm not putting him below me so, you know, if I want to say, for example, go on holiday with the girls, I will, I'm not asking permission, but I'm considering like, is that going to impact his life? How will he feel about that? And we like come to the decision together, I suppose. Now he's not there going, no, you can't go. But, you know, I'm taking his opinions and his like feelings about it into account as well. It's like, it's just about compromise and about coexisting rather than like putting them above you or below you. Of course, we all have the little fallouts we wouldn't be human. How do you guys overcome conflict? What's the big piece of advice that you would give? Conflict is a hard one because especially when you're with each other all the time, I know something I need to work on with when we have conflict is not trying to fix things really quickly. Mm-hmm. For me, I tend to, I don't like conflict. I don't like arguing with anybody um, and I don't want there to be ill feelings. So I tend to want to like, just fix things and nip them in the bud and be like, okay, how can we fix this? But sometimes you do have to take some time and like think about what it is you've maybe had a disagreement about. Think about if there's things that you need to change or things you need to work on and just like not try and work through things too quickly because then you don't often resolve the real issue or the real core of the problem. If, if you were to go, if you were given carte blanche now to get married again, what would your day look like? On our 10-year wedding anniversary, we did think well just before it we thought should we renew our vows and then we started to kind of like vaguely plan like a big sort of just a big party for all our friends we were going to do it like in a sort of warehouse like industrial vibes really sort of colorful and fun but low-key and in the end we decided not to do it because it just started feeling like work (laughs) it just started feeling like organizing an event for work so we didn't do it 
But I think it would be something like that. It would be like quite urban, quite colourful, quite relaxed. Like maybe we'd have food trucks instead of brilliant. You know, for- and sit down, sit down meal. I'd probably wear something really colourful rather than white or ivory. Um, yeah, I think it would just be really fun. Like maybe we'd have like games consoles and video games for people to oh, play amazing. and just make it like a really fun party. Oh, that sounds amazing. And mm-hmm. I, I suppose the big piece now is now with all of your knowledge, um, living through it in a happy, successful marriage, what parting advice, what one piece of parting advice would you give other couples now as they set off on their wedding planning journey? Just one. <laughs> <laughs> one um, big, the, the, the biggest, boldest one that you can think of. Well, the one thing I do always say to people is to um, really invest in the parts of the wedding that mean the most to you. So if you've always dreamt of wearing a designer dress, if you really care about having great photos, if you've always dreamt to get married, getting married in a certain venue, spend the money on those one or two things that you really, really care about because they're the things that will like make your day. And then everything else, if you're not really that bothered about you know, the flowers or the cake or some little details, just don't have them or DIY them or don't spend a lot of money on them because at the end of the day, it's lovely having all those big details, but you also don't want to go into debt just to have something that you think you have to have. If you really don't care about it, you don't need to have it. I think that is superb advice because we all know we can lose the run of ourselves and trying to live up to expectation and feel that we have to tick this to-do list of all these different items that we need. So that is excellent advice. Just go with the flow and put the emphasis on the things that really matter to you as a couple. Kat, thank you so much for joining us today. That's invaluable advice. We really appreciate it. And um, our regards to Gareth as well. Thank you for sharing some insight into married life with us. <laughs> I think we can all learn a thing or two. Um, good luck as you continue to work from home together. Thank you so much, Kat. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Real Weddings with Zara. Thanks to producer Ruth Devaney, voiceover extraordinaire Phil Colley, and Pink Champagne Wedding Band for our Cool Finds jingle. Join me next week where we will be chatting to another top guest to get the scoop about their wedding day and married life. Until then, you can find me at Irish Wedding Blog on social media channels. <laughs>